Hey everybody, welcome back to Spines, a podcast about books and book-related shit. I'm Jamie. And I'm Ruby. Let's just, we can well, fake banter. Yeah. Well, I'll just say how are you, and then you'll say good, and then I'll say what we're doing. Or You don't want to know how I actually am? <laughs> you, should, you should include that. <laughs> I mean, that's like horrible. That's like, that's like society. Like, you know how they're always like, how are you? Like, if anyone act like... Like, if I went to a coffee shop and someone was like, how are you? And I told them, like, I, like, would not be getting, like, milk in my chai. Like. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Spines. Uh, this week, we're not talking about how we're doing. We're going to <laughs> talk about queer representation in books and publishing. Um, I'm nervous but excited. Um, Yeah. I'm a little nervous, too. I don't know why. I think this week just feels a little nerve-wracking. It's a nervy week. I say that all... Do you say nervy? No, I just said it the first time. I say that all... I'm always texting... I'm like, I'm nervy, and I'm like, I sound like fucking weird. I don't know. Oh. Um, But I like it. No, it's okay. Um, anyways. <laughs> thought we weren't talking about how I am, Jamie. <laughs> My God. Um, okay. <laughs> I feel like... When I think of the successful queer stories right now, I think of Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, or Red, White, and Royal Blue. Yeah, um, I mean, and Heartstopper. Those are three bu- YA books that have gotten either movie or TV adaptations. Red, White, and Royal Blue hasn't come out yet. I don't think. No. Um, but they're making it, and they're all based on just these white gay boys, and some of like. Heartstopper was not written by a gay man. Um, Simon vs. Homo Sapiens Agenda definitely was. And that's Becky Albertalli. So it's just, I don't know. I've got a lot of mixed feelings about where we are right now. We, where publishing is right now with queer books. Yeah, I have trouble. When we, when me and Ruby like started discussing this podcast, we sat down um, and we made a list of things we wanted to talk about. And this was like definitely one that was on there because I've had so much trouble finding queer books and especially like as a trans person I've had so much trouble finding trans books that like aren't about the struggles of being trans and I think the only books that I mean even red white and royal blue like there was like the struggle of coming out and like how like being gay is, like, going to negatively affect, like, the, like, whole fucking kingdom, like. <laughs> the kingdom? Yeah, I mean, yes. Um, and that that perfectly ties into the idea that just, like, queer joy is not being, it is being written, I think, but it's not being published, and it's not being given Fair. movie adaptations and um, attention, like, these coming out stories are and I mean I'm inclined to say that it might just be easier for these cishet audiences to read about gay struggle versus gay or just queer struggle versus queer joy because I don't know that I think that it's more palatable to do you know what I mean no I totally know what you mean I think that yeah I don't know I'm a big person I always say that like for me like queer and trans joy feels like resistance and I love that and like I love the idea that me being happy and me existing and me like 
having other queer friends and just like living my queer little life is like resistance and I want to see that represented in books like I think that queer joy in books would be like resistance to the norm of the publishing industry industry (laughs) and like resistance to what all these cishet readers want to read I have I mean I've got a a couple of stats to just I think that I have been feeling this for a while and I've been hearing it for a while um but it, it it helps to see the numbers um I found I've got this blog that was published by someone named Ray Stuva, um, who in, let's see, this was January 2020. Um, so it's a little bit old, but I mean, it's the most relevant that I could find. That the first year that a YA Trans Voices novel was published by an indie press, not even by a big five publisher, by an indie press was 2013. That was the first time that we had one of these books published, and the first time that one of these books was published by a big five house was 2016. Um, I just, like, can't even comprehend that. Like, I think that's just such a sobering statistic. Like, I I just don't like that. If anyone doesn't know what a big five, I mean by that, it's there are five publishing companies that monopolize the book industry, um, it's Penguin Random House, Hatchet, HarperCollins, Simon and & Schuster, and Macmillan. Um, they just, they, I think, I don't want to give the wrong, it's like 90% of book sales, something crazy like that. Um, and so, like, if you want to get your book, like, if you want, like, the kinds of adaptations that Heartstopper and Simon's Homo Sapiens Gender are getting, you want to be published by Big Five House. So the first time that a Trans Voices YA novel was published in a big publishing house was 2016. And, I mean, book publishing, that's been around for forever. I'm just... Trans voices, does that just mean, like, a trans author? I think so, because there the word that I used to hear a lot was own voices, but I'm pretty sure that that is no longer being used. Um, my understanding, which I could be wrong, so we... We... People used to use the phrase, the word own voices um, to describe books that were published by authors who share the identities of their characters. Um, But, and that originally came about, I believe, as a hashtag created in 2015 uh, that was just going to be used as a shorthand to recommend diverse books. But recently, people have stopped using that because it's become too vague and it's potentially harmful for these authors to... um, like out themselves things like that so Mm -hmm. um this article this blog post that i was just talking about uses trans voices as a term um makes sense do you have a story about like the first queer book that you read i actually do well yeah i think it was the first queer book that i read i um (laughs) when i was like i want to say 11 i read the it was it's a middle grade book called the School for Good and Evil by Soman Chainani. Um, this this was a book in my memory. So it recently got a movie adaptation. Um, and it has now a big long series and a lot of things have happened. I only read the first book because at the end of the first book, spoiler alert, should I not say it? No, I'm going to say this. It's a middle it's grade book. It's a middle book. grade book, yeah. Um, 
the two female leads kiss on the lips. They kiss. Gay. And I, when I read that, I remember this feeling that I had of just terror and like, I was so freaked out and I just like, <laughs> that's some homosexual activity, Ruby. <laughs> I, I was so deeply freaked out by it that I like threw the book away. Oh God. <laughs> I rated it like one star on Goodreads. Um, <laughs> and I tried never to think about it again. That's what I would do. Like I would just like, that's some deep closet <laughs> that you were in. I, I just so like I would just like force myself to forget about the book and never think about it. I remember once um friends of mine were talking about it and I remember that feeling that I got when they started talking about how they loved the book and the how the ending was so cool. And I remember I f- this like feeling of I was so uncomfortable and like scared. Anyway, um it turns out that they're not actually gay. Like the author <laughs> made them sisters, or like That's it was so like a up. it was like a friendship kiss or something. And I don't I don't know what's going on. But when I read it, that was a queer experience for me. Um, Have you heard of um, Psychology Today? Oh my god! It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite disc, you guys. Uh, so I I didn't read a lot. I Truly, I don't remember, like, reading a queer book or a book with queer characters when I was young. I don't know why. I just didn't. I I mean, I do know why, because they're just not widely available. (laughs) I mean, it's not rocket science. But when I came out as non-binary, and I I don't remember if I was out to my parents yet or not, but I do remember, like, sitting. I was on one couch, my dad was on the other, and I was reading this. And I remember, like, I didn't want him to, like, ask me when I was reading. So maybe I wasn't out yet. (laughs) But it's called, it's called I Wish You All the Best by Mason Deaver. And the main character is non-binary and uses they, them pronouns. And that's the reason I wanted to read the book. I, like, did a Google search. I wanted a book with a non-binary character. And I picked out that book. And it just, it was, it was depressing. Like, Mm -hmm. the whole book was just depressing. And it was about... Like, hardship after hardship after hardship that the main character was facing because they were non-binary. And, like, they got kicked out of their house and all that stuff. And there, this is obviously representative of a lot of queer people. Like, don't get me wrong, and there is a place for that book because I do think that people can find solace in books that represent their own stories. And I do think that there is a place for that book. But I was newly out as non-binary I was like navigating what that meant for me and how that would affect my life and like I was beginning to feel that like pride in myself and that just was not reflected in that book at all and it's like hot like as a queer person as a trans person I don't want to be reading books about like how much the world hates me like that's just not a good feeling And I'm not saying that books like that shouldn't exist. And maybe other people really like that book, but that just wasn't the book I was looking for. And the problem is the book that I was looking for doesn't really exist. I remember when that book first came out. um, Um, I get it. (laughs) I remember when that book first came out and I was (laughs) consuming a lot of um, 
media where people people were viewing the book and talking about it and it was like lauded as this like amazing breakthrough text because it's a non-binary author who's being who's publishing this and it's like it was it was used as the like spokesperson for non-binary books Mm -hmm. like for like for a hot like it was it became huge just because it was like the first or the only book like that that all of these people trying to recommend diversely that's like all they could pull for um yeah the bar is just so low mm -hmm. not that makes me sound like I genuinely like hate the book and I'm sure I honestly it's been a while since I read it but and like I'm not out here trying to like diss authors you rated it three stars I did what's the overall rating overall rating is 4.2 I'd be curious to read the other reviews I just think it's just not what I was looking for and what I was looking for was not a thing and then I continued to do more research about books with non-binary characters and I came across the book Love and Other Disasters by Anita Kelly and it's it's a it's a queer romance which look I love myself a sappy romance sometimes and I I went onto Goodreads as I usually do and looked and it had like three stars and everyone was like this is just poorly written and I was like okay I still want to read it because I never get to see like I don't care how poorly written it is I want to read it because it has a non-binary character and one of the main characters London uses they them pronouns and is non-binary and it's about a romance between them and the other main character on a cooking like reality competition and it's it was like it was you know a cheesy romance it was fine (laughs) it was written fine but then again uh, half the book is about London coming out in the hate Mm. and I was like this is a cheesy romance like there's like it's it's supposed to be a cheesy, lighthearted book. Mm-hmm. Why are we now adding in this? Like, wh- why can't I read a book where a main character is non-binary and that's not the main point of the story? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they just happen to be non-binary. Um, the first book that I read that had named characters with gender-neutral pronouns and neo-pronouns and, you know, um, was I read, was it this year? Let me check. Yeah, it was this year. Um, it was a good book. I actually really like the book. It's a fantasy, so I won't recommend it to you, Jamie. <laughs> but <laughs> The Helm of Midnight by Marina J. Lossetter, I it has like it only has it has just over a thousand ratings on Goodreads, which is criminal in my opinion, because I, I think it's a very expertly done book. Um, and it part of the the in within the magic system there are like five you know, it's fantasy, so, you know, there's, like, five, like, gods that one of them is, like, the god of time, the god, whatever, and each one has a different set of pronouns, um, so in the book, infused in the magic system book are non-binary characters, um, which is not, it's not a plot device, like, it's not a coming out story, it's not the focus of these characters, and that was so surprising and amazing to read um and I really recommend that book um it's not for everybody I think the it's a like um 
thriller fantasy. It's awesome. It's like a murder mystery set in this fantasy landscape and like a city. It's so cool. Um, book two is coming out next year. Anyway, um, <laughs> it I I love that book. Um, but again, that's the only one that I've read. I haven't read that Mason Deaver book. Um, I'm positive that the issue is not entirely because publishers aren't publishing these books. Part of the issue is that I'm not picking them up. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and that is, I think, an overlooked piece. When I hear the, when I hear conversations like this, people kind of forget that they are um, agents with free will, <laughs> and they can choose to yes. quote unquote diversify their reading. But um, I mean, it is this book was published by Tor, I think. I also think that even when the books are published, I might not be picking them up because they're not widely like advertised and as popular. Like so, like so many people aren't picking them up that they don't get that traction that a lot of like the cishet books have or like the gay boy books have and then I don't even know about them but I will say in before this episode I googled like trans books by trans authors there are a lot so Mm -hmm. it's on I could have I could have googled so it you're completely right it's not it's not just on society yeah um that book that I was just talking about Helm is called The Helm of Midnight, published by Tor, which is like a imprint or whatever of Macmillan. So it is a big five publisher, which is awesome. Um, but still, that's the one book, like it's, and it is not being marketed very well, even though it's, up, even though it's published by Macmillan, it has under 2,000 reviews on Goodreads, which let me find, let's see what, um, Red, White, and Royal Blue. God. And look, I rated that book five stars. It's like a, it's a, it's the first book that I read this summer that kind of got me back into my like reading obsession. It's a very easy read. I can understand the appeal, but there are larger issues about it. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not going to say like it's a horrible book. Like it was poorly written. Like it was an entertaining, light, very easy read. And there is room for that. Yeah, when I first read that, I loved it. I think I rated it, yeah, five stars. I I think for what it is, it is not a bad book, but I think we should be trying to uh, market more stories than just this one, which is about high-class white um, gay men and not written by a gay man. Um, 100%. So... That book I was talking about has under 2,000 reviews. Red, White, and Royal Blue has over 600,000. This is just like, it's, this book hasn't even gotten its adaptation out yet. Like, if I looked up Simon versus Homo Sapiens, which the movie is called Love, Simon, um, that book got a huge boost of sales after the film came out, so. And then they have a Hulu series based on Love, Simon. Yeah, Love, Victor. Love, Victor, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's... It's something to think about when you are reaching for books. Um, I I, um, I was about to undercut my point by saying, if that's important to you. But it should be important to you. It should be important. <laughs> um, it's not... I mean, there is an element of preference with every kind of entertainment. But you... This is a... I'm, I'm coming at it from... I'm a writing major and I want to work in publishing. So I'm thinking about the industry of it. And this is... 
these authors who are making the money being successful and having their name out there, do you only want to provide that opportunity or provide that support for certain people of certain identities? Like that's, that should, I think that's important to, to think about when you're picking up and buying and spending money on books. And this definitely does not only apply to like queer straight people. I think we're going to do another episode about, um, like diversity in the race of authors because something crazy like 79% of published authors are white and that's unexcusable obviously um and it's just every part of an identity just like any other institution or business the publishing industry is uplifting the voices of the privileged Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's hard because I think that I and and people have turned to books and stories as their form of escape or of finding their identity of seeing themselves. But in reality, it's just another market that is being exploited. And you are being like this is getting this is kind of getting sad, but it's it's not free of exploitation um, and racism and homophobia and, and all of these things. Yeah. Um, I just remembered another book <laughs> to add to this list of it's I have a lot to say about what I, I in my I to myself call it the epidemic of um, books written by women about gay men um, and the the types of audiences that these books gather um, which are often just more straight women who are infantilizing and uh, fetishizing i was gonna say because it almost makes you wonder or not almost it does make you wonder why is a woman a like straight woman sitting down and writing sex scenes about young boys yeah young gay boys yeah maybe we shouldn't include that but it's um but song of achilles by madeline miller that is a very popular very popular book and i feel like popular at simmons i feel like i see like pins anyway um and it's a good book i haven't read it i haven't either um but i i will not contest that it's not a good book and well written um because clearly it has almost one million ratings and it's got a 4.38 on goodreads which is really really good for goodreads um but that and it it's not a it's based on what achilles and patroco patroclus this is really embarrassing. I don't know the mythology. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. That's kind of the reason I didn't read it was because I was like, I don't care about mythology. Yeah. But is, I mean, it, is yeah. this Greek mythology? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's Patroclus. Um, but it, it's written by this white woman, Madeline Miller. Um, and I think that I, I, I want, when I hear people talking about these books and talking about how they love these books which they are completely you are completely valid in loving these books but I also want people to think about who's writing them and who's benefiting from these sales and should this I I don't know I'm also I mean I'm one person Jamie's one person sharing our opinions um and not that we have like a platform (laughs) 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 but (laughs) our five listeners out there (laughs) But, I mean, I, I am not saying that I am completely right or that I am, you know, I this is just how I feel right now. And I really do want to hear people who disagree with me because 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. I also think me and Ruby are both big fiction readers. Mm. And I think that when you begin to talk about queer nonfiction, that's just a whole different mm-hmm. universe. And there's a lot of, I'm not sure how much of it is what, like the queer joy that we were discussing that we want earlier. And it's definitely not like the casual queer writing, but it mm-hmm. is, I think there are some very, very, very great books that are nonfiction um, about queer and trans people and by queer and trans authors. Um, and again, there are probably, I, I honestly, I haven't read that many. I took a trans politics and freedom class and I read some. We did talk about like the way the white trans queer upper class writer like how that is not a representative voice and it definitely goes beyond just like a queer writer cannot represent all queer people obviously um but there are a ton of great nonfiction books about queer and trans people by queer and trans authors one that I've been really wanting to read is Stone Butch Blues by Leslie Feinberg Honestly, I don't know that much about it, except that it gets great readings on Goodreads, and I've heard great things from other trans people, and it's like the trans mask Bible, I think is what people call it. Um, So I will be reading that, but I just do think that that is something that we should acknowledge, because me and Ruby do come at these episodes from a very, like, a lens of really enjoying fiction books. Yeah. Yeah. What books have you read recently, Jamie? Um, I think last time that we talked in our last episode I was reading Una out of order or maybe I just finished it and I went on my rants about that so I'm not gonna do that again Mm -hmm. but since Una out of order I've read three books one of which was a middle grade graphic novel that I read for a class the first one is titled When You Were Older by Catherine Ryan Hyde who has other books that I'm going to look into and potentially read because I did enjoy it It is about a man who works in the World Trade Center and on the morning of 9-11 finds out his mom dies and he has to go back home. And it's just about the aftermath of that. The next one I read was called One for the Money by Janet Ivanovich. And this is... uh, Janet Ivanovich? That is a Goodwill author. I see her books in Goodwill every time I go. And it's probably this series. Oh, my God. So it's called the Stephanie Plum series. There's, like, so – it's one of those series where there's just so many books. And I think I've mentioned before that my aunt told me, who's a huge reader, like, we love talking about books together. She told me about a Facebook group called What Should I Read Next? And it's just a bunch of, like, kind of old ladies talking about books, and it's so comical and beautiful. And just a wonderful, heartwarming place. I kept seeing, you know, people would say, like, I, there's so many bad things going on in the world right now. I just want a lighthearted, funny book. And I kept seeing the series recommended over and over. And people were like, it's laugh out loud funny. And I was like, okay, like, there's shit going on in my life, too. That could be good for me. Was it? Was it laugh out loud funny? didn't laugh once no so I'm glad I had actually looked into that's that's the one that I ordered on Pango and then she was Uh. like oh like no you can't buy it so but then I went home and I was at the library looking through all the books for sale and on the bargain shelf were the first like eight for 50 cents each and I was like I'm not gonna buy all eight because that's ambitious Mm -hmm. but I bought the first three (laughs) um it's a dollar 50 cents like it's okay 
And then I'm glad I didn't buy the first eight because I did not. It's also a crime series. Mm. It's just it. It wasn't for me. I rated it three stars. I might go back to the other two because I own them and I didn't like hate it, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't what I expected. And then the last one was New Kid by Jerry Craft, um, which is a middle grade graphic novel about a young black boy that goes to a primarily white, very upper class, prestigious middle school. And it got banned or attempted to get banned. Parents attempted to get it banned. Um, the book. The book, yes, from libraries specifically in the KD Texas KD Independent School District in Texas because they believed that it taught critical race theory um and I I don't think I've I think I maybe read Smile that Mm. graphic novel when I was young Mm -hmm. I don't read graphic novels like Mm -hmm. that was the first graphic novel I've read in so long and probably the second one ever and of course it was a middle grade novel but I enjoyed it so much Hmm. And it just, I read it in about an hour and a half and I was like, this is just a great book. And I think this would be a great book for kids to read. And then I proceeded to write my paper about that. But (laughs) (sighs) what books have you been reading, Ruby? Thanks for asking, Ruby. (laughs) Jamie stares (laughs) deadpan into the microphone as if it's a camera and you guys can see me. I haven't been reading very much. It was a bad, it's been a bad time. Um, I read one real book. Okay, that's not very nice. I read one novel. Uh, I read The Chain by Adrian McKinty, which was five stars. It was actually really, really good. I got it from a, a used... Oh, my God, I got it from a used bookstore. Huh. Which one? Um, The used book superstore in Middleton. I only went because I had a, access to a car the other weekend. Um, But I love... It's a great, it's a great used bookstore, if anyone's... Anyway, um, and it's this thriller... That is, you've read heard, about it. I have heard of this book. Ah, it was good. It was great. It was okay, adding I, it to want to read. Okay, okay, wait, I gotta explain it. So, basically, the, it's the premise is this woman, her daughter is kidnapped, and she gets a call that says, "Hey, I've kidnapped your daughter. You've got to um, pay a ransom, and you have to kidnap somebody else's family member and hold them for ransom, and once." you continue the chain, then I'll give you your daughter back. Um, so it's basically this, like, horrible kidnapping scheme that's like a chain letter. Um, and that's only, like, anyway, that's, like, a piece of it. It is so good, and I didn't realize going into it that it was set in New England. And it was, like, it's, like, it's like set in the area from New England that I'm from. It's from, like, coastal New Hampshire and right north of Boston and... Um, like, they talk about Exeter, and um, they talk about Beverly, actually, a lot, and what else? They they mention Brookline and Fenway. Ugh. It was so creepy reading it and not realizing, like, I was getting, I was freaking myself out because I would see things that I knew, and I was like, oh, my God, the book is, like, talking to me. Okay, I still want to read this. <laughs> um, it was great. It was a very fast read, um, and I loved that book. I also read Volume 6 of Spy Family, which is a manga series. Um, that was pretty fun. That was a pretty fun short time. Um, I'm still working my way on Shadow Rising. I did buy the next book, and I haven't finished the one I'm on yet. Ebook or physical? Book? Physical. Where'd you buy from? Mm, Tango. Nice. 
Um, what else? I just bought Way of Kings because I want to read it. Jamie doesn't know. Do you know you you never heard of Way of Kings? No. Brandon Sanderson. You know Brandon Sanderson? I don't know authors. I'm really sorry. I know that's mm. like an offense to your industry. Yeah. Well, I bought it and I'm gonna read it soon. Um, yeah. That's it. That was Spines, a podcast in collaboration with Simmons Sidelines.